Hebrews. Let's pray. Lord, would you come among us and meet us? Give us yourself and your spirit this morning in Jesus' name. In your name, Lord. Amen. I've been reading a book by a, a pastor, and he shared a story about when his children were little. And one son was two, and the other son was four. And he's tucking them in at night, and they're going to bed. And the four-year-old pipes up in that, in that moment, as is wont to happen, and asks a big question. He asked the rather profound question, Dad, what does it mean to be a Christian? So the guy's funny. He, he, he you know, writes all the, all the answers he couldn't, long, complicated, convoluted answers he couldn't go into. And he says in the end, he realized, oh, my word, this moment, it's a huge moment. It just surprised me. It's come out of the blue. What am I going to say? How do I sum it up in a simple way? And so he says, it's people who love Jesus and are trying to follow him. And the little son says, you mean Jesus who? And he describes Jesus and his life and how wonderful Jesus is. And the dad says, yeah, you know, Jesus. The son says, well, goodness, I want to do that. And the dad, you know, is super happy and all. So they pray together and he tucks his son in, you know, gives him a kiss and heads to the door. And he gets about to the door and his son says, hey, dad. And he says, yeah. And he says, sort of sits up in the bed and he says, wait a minute. Um, Jesus, like, got in a lot of trouble and it ended kind of roughly, right? And dad says, well, yeah. And the son goes, well, if I'm going to follow him, I don't know if I want to do that. I want to say out of the mouths of infants and babes. I want to say for that four-year-old, he's speaking a prophetic truth that I and we writ large who call on the name of Jesus in our society would do well to remember. We don't have a promise that all will be easy or well. And I, I so hope I'm wrong. I so hope I'm wrong, but it sure looks for all the world like the challenge of this summer in our society is going to be the thing that's been happening a lot in the past few weeks. Since the events in Uvalde in Texas, there have been at least 20 other mass shooting situations. That is, that is shocking, or at least it should be shocking. We've forgotten what happened in Buffalo, a flat-out racist massacre situation in the most common place you can imagine, a grocery store. We've forgotten it been wiped away by the things that happen in other places and the frequency of these things. I'm going to have to talk more generally than I had in my notes because the, the little ones are with us. So just to note, we as a people, we as a society, we have something like 30 times more of these situations that happens in schools than the other leading nation in the world. In other words, there is no other leading nation in the world. This is a problem that is completely unique to Maybe what's happening this summer, maybe it's the litany of the ways that people feel out of control. COVID came, 
it busted our illusion of being okay, of having figured these things out. And then we had the situation where we were forced to face up to the racial challenges in our country, in our society, ways that we used to be able to deny and shove them. They were pushed forward and we couldn't. We trust that our democracy will hold and that we have systems that work, but there were events that happened that radically called that into question with a violent situation. There now is in Europe things that we said would never again happen are happening and never didn't hold. There's much uncertainty. We name these things here often. We want to be in reality. We want to speak the truth. So there's much uncertainty in our days. Maybe that's part of what's playing out with these situations. But even if that's true, nonetheless, the fact that life continues in a normal way, that we don't stop as a people and say, my word, how can this happen? What has happened here that we don't as a people acknowledge that we have a sickness that has multiple causes, all of which are controversial, but all of which need to be dealt with, including enabling civilians to have things that aren't meant for civilians. I think our society is in, if you will, a spirit of desperation, desperate fear, a spirit of chaos, a spirit of hatred. And we come together this morning on a lovely, beautiful morning, and this is actually a good news sermon. The moment in which we come to this good news is not a happy, easy moment. And we're going to live in reality. So we're not going to pretend that it is. But it is a good news moment. And it is a good news sermon. Today's the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is the day when we have walked through Lent. We've watched Jesus. We've remembered his fasting and his temptation and his going head to head with the accuser of our, of our being and our souls, we've watched him triumph. We've watched him walk purposefully to a hard place and yet be a person of life and be a person of hope and be a person who was a delight to be with, even though he knew where it went. We've mourned to see that come about. We've waited, we've celebrated the new life, his vindication. We've walked with him celebrating this new life. We've seen him then ascended up to heaven, seated on the throne, which he is worthy to have. And today we come to the place where he promised to his friends to give them of himself, to give them of his spirit. Now, Many of us, I know, many of us, when we hear that we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, we get anxious. Many of us have been in places where talking in church about the Holy Spirit means you're going to be expected to perform in some emotionally loaded way that you may not be comfortable with in order to validate that you've actually got the Spirit. Many of us may have experienced situations in which people led by the Spirit have claimed things that seem wildly untrue and even, frankly, ridiculous and counter to every other way of knowing we've ever known. 
and yet they claim that it's revelation from God. Many of us have baggage about dealing in church with the Spirit. The Spirit, friends, in the book of Acts, in one place at least, is referred to as the Spirit of Jesus. So when we think about the Holy Spirit, let's think about the person of Jesus. It's the charisma, the charism, the personality, the energy, the life of Jesus. That Jesus, having gone up into heaven and being seated on the throne, and those who followed and loved him saying, hey, wait a minute, you're going to leave us here? It's Jesus saying, no, I will not leave you. I call you friends, and I will send my spirit to be with you and in you. It's his presence with us. And let's reorient in our minds the spirit of God to the Holy Spirit, to the spirit of Jesus. And remember that one who is most alive of all human beings. That's the spirit that God gives to us. So let's just take a deep breath, open up, and say, okay, we can come to this then. We come to this and open up. Who wouldn't want that spirit? Of course we want that spirit. So Paul then says to Timothy, he says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. That's the most common English translation. Let's just walk through those different words. God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, is the way that word gets translated often in other places. It's a strong word. God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. He gave us a spirit of power. Power is dunamis. Think dynamic. And yeah, it means strength, power. It also means capacity, ability. It means authority. Think of authoring a story, writing a story. It's the same root word. And what Paul is saying when he says God gave us a spirit of power or of capability or of authority saying you're in you count you're leaving you're living the kingdom of God now Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy in his first letter to Timothy he said to Timothy don't worry about the fact that you're young it's real you're living the kingdom of God you have the spirit you count You're qualified. So Paul's telling us to walk about remembering that Jesus came out and his first words were, the kingdom of God is at hand. So believe it. Believe that your life in Jesus and in his spirit matters profoundly. And you count. The second thing Jesus is telling us or Paul is telling us, is that the spirit of Jesus is a spirit of love. The ability to want the best for the other. Even when that best for the other may not be something that they see or want, the ability to relate to them in a way that is respectful of them, gives them space, doesn't try to force them or manipulate them, to believe that God is present to them, that he knows them, that he's working with them. It's a spirit of power, of capability, of authority. It's a spirit of love, the ability to hear, to enter into sympathetic imagination with the other, to respect them, 
And he says, it's also a spirit of self-control. The Holy Spirit is also a spirit of self-control. Now, self-control is not an overly popular word. I don't know if it's ever been an overly popular word. But I want to say, while it doesn't grasp the fullness of the idea, and we'll talk about some of the rest of what's there, it is actually a wonderful thing in and of itself. For starters, it's self-control, not control by others. This is not being dominated by someone else and controlled by them. It's self-control. Philosophers have said that the truly free life or the truly simple life is a life of self-control. You don't need Socrates' big brain to figure out that if you don't have control over something, then you are slave to it. So the life that is not a self-controlled life is a life enslaved to something or some things. The only free life is a life of self-control. Self-control is a good and beautiful thing. And that is a part of what Paul's after and a part of what this word means. It's not the whole of it, though. This is also a word which means being aware, seeing clearly, keeping the plot, keeping the story, being able to stay on the path when things get tough. You all know I, I went to a, a school that has a great basketball tradition. I've always watched them try to, try to get there in football. They try to get there in football. And some years they get close. And they get close and they got momentum. And everybody's thinking this is the breakthrough year. And inevitably they run into some tough game and it's tight down at the end and it's not going exactly the way they want it to. And... You know, the, the other team has this mobile, amazing quarterback, and the defense just keeps getting this close to sacking him, but they can't quite get to him, and finally one of them's had it. And he throws the ball, and they go ahead and wipe him out anyway, and then, boom, roughing the pastor 15 yards. The emotional challenge of that keeping the plot, keeping the bigger story, not losing it and hurting yourself, this is the spirit of Jesus, keeping the plot even when things get tough and pressure comes. In a more positive way, in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus goes to the man in the tombs and the man is in this drastic situation and Jesus heals him and then the people come out to see it and they see the man and he's sitting, we're told, in his right mind. We're told that he's in his right mind. Same word, different form, same word. The Holy Spirit gives us our right mind. Paul, before Festus, he's up there talking, and King Festus goes, Paul, you're so out there, man. Your, your massive learning is driving you crazy. Paul says, no, 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 I have a rational mind. Everything I'm saying here is just fine. It's reasonable. That's the same word. So it's a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. The other thing we notice about the moment is that Paul assumes this as Christian normal. To walk in the Spirit of God is not some kind of manipulated special reality. It's, it may be emotional, and that's great, but it isn't getting oneself into an emotional state or being in a state that you can turn on or off. 
Jesus will meet us in all circumstances, in all sorts of emotion. So yes, it's emotional in that sense, but it doesn't mean being emotional in the way of losing touch with reality. Paul says, for God has given you not a spirit of fear, but of this capability and authority of love and of a sound mind. And Paul assumes that and says it as a reference to something else, right? Hang on to this something else because you know this over here, it's a given. It's Christian normal to live in the spirit of God. So what we wanna do this morning is very simple. We'll have some time as we wrap up this time of thinking about this together. We'll have some time for you to just imagine in your mind Jesus speaking to you and giving you his spirit, breathing on you his spirit. And then we'll simply invite you to come forward if you like. You don't have to. There's no pressure. You don't have to perform. We just invite you at that time to come forward. And I'll be on one side and Jen will be on the other side. And we'll simply anoint you with oil. The church has used oil. Ancient people used oil. The church took that as well and has sanctified it and blessed it. And we'll simply use that to bless you and invite Jesus to fill you afresh with his spirit.